0: I finally set up my life and I'm like tearing up as I'm saying this, but I finally set up my business and my life exactly the way I had always wanted. um, And I did that.
1: Hello and welcome to NDinspo where our mission is to connect grow and inspire naturopathic doctors and students from all over. My name is Dr. Kirsten Dua, and today I have with me Dr. Andrea Maxim. Dr. Andrea is a naturopathic doctor and founder of Maximize Business, the creator of Maximize Practitioner Method, and the host of the Profitable Practice podcast. She helps health and wellness practitioners stand out with modernized marketing and messaging and also helps them build the simplest systems and strategies to instantly give them time freedom so they can enjoy life outside of the office. As a practicing naturopathic doctor running two six-figure clinics, she recognizes the importance of taking the right steps in the right order. So I am so excited to have Dr. Andrea on today to discuss her growth in practice and business, as well as tips for all of us as we enter into the new year. So thank you so much for being here, Dr. Andrea, and for all the work that you do.
0: Thank you. I'm just so, I'm always so grateful to be able to share, you know, the little nuggets that I have with um, different audiences. So I'm just so thankful that you reached out to me and that we can have this chat today.
1: Yeah, and I mean, what a year. So any little inspiration that we can provide, that's what I'm here for. So I always love to start out with just getting a little bit of the background on what brought you to naturopathic medicine.
0: Yeah, so with regards to my choice to become a naturopath, it didn't come from like a health scare or some sort of health story. So many people have those stories where... (laughs) They were treated by a naturopath and that's what changed their path for me. I knew since the age of five, I was going to be a doctor. That was just my path. I never deviated from it. That was always what I was going to do. That was my destiny. But I'd only been raised in a community where conventional medicine was king. So this was back in like, what would that be? The early nineties that or late eighties that I would have decided this. So it I even went to university full gung ho to go into med school and within the first month realized that I don't want to compete that badly to get into med school so it was not for me but I still love the sciences and then in my uh, fifth year doing my thesis on peanut allergy in mice I started to learn more about the natural or alternative side of things and it was literally a Google search where I was just googling some of the things that I wanted to do naturopathy popped up and that's all that I remember that was just like okay this is this is my destiny now this is what I'm gonna do I applied to the Canadian college College of naturopathic medicine in Toronto. It was the only Canadian college at the time. And that was just h- how it all started. So it's very, even now, as I reflect on that story, that's very much who I am today, where I will kind of like bite down like a pit bull on something and I won't let it go. And that is just <laughs> what's going to happen. So that has persisted to bring me to where I am now.
1: Well, I love that. And I, I love this example so much because it's similar to my story, Um, simply typing into Google, trying to figure it out. And this is why I, and I'll say, I've said it before and I'll say it, again. this is why marketing is so important because if they had not put themselves on Google, on a website, if they hadn't put themselves out there or on an ad you wouldn't be here right now right like as a naturopathic doctor you wouldn't be making the impact that you're currently making and doing this work um had they not shown up on your, your Google search. Right. So
0: yeah. And we could even layer that with had the internet not been created. <laughs> right? This is why leveraging online in all aspects and using this tool is so important.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree. Um, so I, I just love that. That's pretty much, you know, that's what got mm-hmm. you into the door. And then Outside of that, what got you to then helping other naturopathic doctors now build their practices?
0: I have always been um, like forever tethered to this community and not just naturopaths, but just any health and wellness practitioner. Um, Even in my second year at the school, I was already volunteering as a tutor. I was a gyne model for two years. And if anyone remembers what that was like, you know, I just kind of like offered my services and my knowledge wherever I could while I was a student. And then it wasn't until I think 2013 that I was like, you know what, I actually want to start stepping up as a You know, a resource for the struggling health and wellness practitioner in the business setting because I kind of just naturally had that business sense. I do not have a business background. That is, you know, it's not anything that I was gifted. I just wasn't going to not make this work. And so I happened to have a stellar year. It was almost a six figure in my first year, which was a lot of grit, a lot of like hustle. And um, from then I just found that it was a natural fit for me running a business and, and growing a business. So if there was any insight that I could give any of my colleagues that was what kind of precipitated the podcast um, and the maximized Business Company as a whole. And e- there are so many days that I can remember where I'll be like, you know what? Forget this. This is too hard. Why am I trying to run businesses at once? And I just can't walk away. So this mm-hmm. is also just part of my my destiny is just to take any – even if I'm only a few steps ahead, I just want to be able to share everything that I can – even if it helps like one person, then that was what I was supposed to do.
1: Well, I'm sure that you're helping so many more than just one. Yes. But (laughs) um, I, I mean, again, I'm just really happy that there are practitioners like you who are helping to provide those resources and that inspiration to keep us going. Because I really, I do think that the work that we do is so needed and I think that this year has really brought that up to the surface of how much the, the world really needs what we offer. And so any way that we can help, you know, get the word out on what we do, I'm here for it. Um, and so, what what inspired you then to um, to really systematize everything? Because that, to me, I think is kind of the key. That's I think that's the biggest struggle is really figuring out a good system that works so that yes. you can have that time freedom. For me. Um, if, if
0: you remember the homeopathic, um, I think it's like Sankaran scheme schema, I'm a total mineral. So there's mineral animal plant I am 100% a mineral. I and minerals are very linear, everything is organized, very structured. That is just who I am and everything is about time. Like time for me, even if I am like wasting an extra minute on something that I shouldn't be or even if a patient consult goes over by 5 minutes, I can feel my anxiety <laughs> bubbling because I'm like, "Oh my god, it was supposed to end 5 minutes ago mm-hmm. and now like blah blah blah." So it was just, it had to be that way. I, I, my brain works that way. How can things be more efficient? How can we get things done faster? How can I leverage my time? So I'm, you know, using up five minutes in a single minute, whatever it took for me to get there. And I'm just grateful that my mind goes there. That's just sort of my wheelhouse where I can take any form of chaos that's going on and like find a organization to it or a, some sort of a process. And in order to have a business grow quickly and sustainably, the systems need to be in place. And I think this is where I I realized how quickly I was wasting so much mental energy and so much physical energy waking up every morning, hoping and praying that today was going to go well, looking at my calendar, looking at the patients I was going to see, And just being like, okay, all I have to do is get through the next 30 minutes and then the next hour and then the next appointment and blah, blah, blah. And it's just not serving anybody for you to be approaching your business that way or a visit that way. So I started to think, well, how could I at least create some semblance of a system for patients to go through? How could I start simplifying the process? How could I start creating protocols that patients could buy into? Because Also, not only from the business owner systems work, but as someone who is coming into the business and they can see that you are organized Mm -hmm. and everything is well oiled and there's some semblance of a plan then they're much more likely to buy into anything that it is that you're going to offer. And I feel like every single visit we have is a presentation. It's a presentation of our skills. It's a presentation of our value. It's a presentation of how we are um, serving them. And if there's any sort of disjoint or any semblance of like, well, we could, and, and I think this would be a good idea, then immediately their confidence in you is going to go away. So that's not to eliminate the individuality that goes into treating each person. And I think that's a fear that a lot of practitioners have is if I create a protocol, if I create a system, then I'm just putting people through like some sort of conveyor belt of medicine. That isn't what we're talking about here. We're just saying, okay, how would I ideally like a patient to go through one year's worth of visits with me? And then that's how you start. And then eventually that stemmed into my seven day detox protocol, which is now presented on the first or the second visit. And that's now stemming into the GATT protocol, which is Mm. our unique branded solution where now we're putting people through a flow of basically like health systems. And with that, there's offshoots of lab testing and blah, blah, blah. So it, it took 10 years to get here and I don't think it needs to. That was just my journey. But now I have been able to rinse and repeat myself twice with two employees that are now running my clinics for me so I can step away from the in-office work, which is where I don't shine. I, it doesn't um, make me excited. Um, and because of those systems, I was able to just basically duplicate myself. And you can't do that if you keep Showing up every day and again, just hoping and praying that it's going to go okay.
1: Mm-hmm. And I, one of the things that I noticed just with talking to different people in the field is, it seems like if you um, don't set up those systems early enough on, then you're kind of in a position where you're almost too busy to kind of recreate and resystematize things, and then and then there's burnout, right? So. That's one of my, I want, just like you said, I want to make it sustainable for myself as well. And so as someone who is just kind of getting going, that's one of my biggest goals, especially for this next year coming up. And I'd love to talk more about that, but is having the right systems in place so that I can grow and scale. Because if I don't have those systems, then I'm just going to be, you know, Bailing water, I feel yes. like, <laughs> you know, and that's yeah. not how I want to practice.
0: Absolutely. And that's kind of where I use the house of card analogy, where you can build a house of cards, but you know how unstable it is. Mm-hmm. So that's why we're talking not only about helping you build and and scale, but being long lasting and sustainable. So when I became an naturopath, I knew this was my career for the rest of my life. I didn't know how it was going to pan out, but I was like, I know I am in this for like 30 years. Mm -hmm. So whatever I do now has to be able to sustain 30 years and growth and family. So I have two girls and a husband and all of those things have to be put in place so that as your family grows, as your personal life grows, as your personal desires grow, where maybe you want to step away from the business for to a two week vacation, nothing collapses. Hmm. And I can say um, it's funny that we're doing this podcast now. We just went through a huge COVID um, case with our entire team. So I had COVID. One of my other oh. team members had COVID. We had to shut down one of the practices for an entire week. And we still found ways of making more revenue than we have in months during those weeks where it was closed because of the systems that we had in place, because we delegated things to the right people who were doing the right things. um, And so we crushed it. It was stressful Mm -hmm. um, because it's a pivot, right? It's a quick pivot that has to be made in like a day once you get that positive result. But We all survived it. And um, that's why I'm actually in my original practice today. I haven't been in this practice actually treating patients for almost two years now. And I'm in here today just to support my team member who's still in isolation. But Mm. it was just such a gift to see from the universe, like, you're good. Like, your business is set up really well. You could step away for an entire month and be fine and still make revenue and still mm-hmm. see growth. And that's exactly what happened.
1: Well, I hope that you're feeling better. And I hope that everyone is doing well. Um, I'm sorry to hear that, but it sounds <laughs> like with those systems in place, you you know, you're you're doing just fine. And I think so, and I would like to get into that. So what are as we get into this new year, what would you say are the top like three things that naturopathic doctors or integrative practitioners need to have in place, like they just they're non-negotiables that they just need to have to be sure to succeed in this upcoming year. So
0: you need to have online booking. That has always been a non-negotiable. Even in my course, the Maximized Practitioner Program, everyone needs to have an online booking system. Number one reason why is because most of the bookings that we get are usually after 9pm because that's when people are home, they're Googling, you know, the kids are finally asleep. They read or watch a video about health and they're like, shit, I need to, oh, sorry. Now I'm going to make <laughs> okay. your podcast explicit. They're like, crap, I need to, um, uh, you know, book in with someone. They Google, you know, naturopath or functional practitioner. And if they can't book in with you while they're in that momentum, then they're going to mm-hmm. book in with someone else. So having an online booking system is absolutely essential. I, I would go so far as to say it will make or break how much revenue you make. When we don't have online, I find we lose money almost instantly because then people are waiting for someone to get back to them. They're waiting for the phone um, to, to be answered or whatever. And people don't have time for that anymore. Mm-hmm. Even myself, when I'm looking to get like a haircut done, if I can't book online, I'm not booking in with that clinic. Like, I just don't have the time to be talking to someone. I just want it to be easy and done and booked and I'll show up. And Mm -hmm. that's exactly the type of service that our people are looking for, whether virtual or in office. That is mandatory. The other mandatory piece that I will say is you must have some sort of email um, software, they're called CRM software. So that could be MailChimp, which is the absolute worst. So even in <laughs> it's free, it is like the least robust longstanding program that you can use. But use it. It's better than nothing. Um, it could even be active campaign. It could be, um, a more huge, uh, software platform like Kajabi or Kartra or Infusionsoft, like whatever. You just need to have the ability to collect emails from lead magnets or from your, um, new patients that you come, come like on board. And then you need to be able to talk to them and nurture them and send them information weekly if possible. Um, that email list always makes us residual income every time we send something out because we're either encouraging them to book back in, we're offering some sort of promotion or whatever. So that is mandatory. And then the final piece is you need to commit to one social media platform and you need to show up every single day and you need to show up as a human not as a practitioner, not as someone who is sharing the latest research off of PubMed. It needs to be something that a fourth grade student can understand and will uh, feel connected to you by the time they read that. And um, that those three things, like notice I didn't say website, I could care less if you have a website. Um, I think websites are a second level place of authority where people are searching for you, but you could have a landing page website and and crush. Some people don't, but they have, they funnel everybody to social media. And that's also, it's basically now a business Facebook page or Instagram page. You can put your booking links on there that almost acts as a website for you. So websites aren't nearly as important as people think. Brochures, business cards are a total thing of like, 20 years ago no one cares about paper anymore it's all about social media and getting those follows so we still have them and we give them to uh people but it is not something that i would be you know hanging my hat on as this is like the most fundamental piece and i'm sure there's some other things that you've probably thought mm-hmm. of that i'm like why did you use that but those would be my top 3 things that are absolutely non-negotiable
1: Okay. And for those that aren't familiar, can you explain what a lead magnet is? Oh, sure. So a lead magnet is essentially every
0: time you post on social media, you should be asking them to take some sort of action to get into your business in some capacity. What we're testing um, in all of 2021 is a 15 minute meet and greet. I was against it forever. I thought it was such a waste of time, but as I talk to more practitioners and I think the more connection people are looking for, we're kind of reigniting that as our lead magnet. So at Mm -hmm. the end of every post, it'll say, um, to talk to one of our, our practitioners or to meet us first, or if you want to enroll in our program, but you know, click this link and then we would do a discovery call with them. If you want it to be a bit more passive, then a great five tip PDF download would be a fantastic lead magnet. Or I've even created a video for people to watch. A lead magnet could also be a webinar that you did and have the recording of. Anywhere that you can collect their data in exchange Mm -hmm. for something for free is essentially a lead magnet.
1: Mm -hmm. And I've also heard it referred to as an opt-in, especially if you are collecting their, um, I mean, like you said, email is so important. so I think one of the areas that people kind of um, lose out on the opportunity to collect that data is they'll just put up a link and then, you know, they can access it right away rather than having that page where, you know, we'll send it to your email. Um, so more of the opt-in type of form of the the lead magnet so that you can start communicating with them through email because like you said that's so so important especially right now with everything going on to be able to stay in communication with them Um, and then also how in the world do you get everything done (laughs) (laughs) because yes like you said you're a mother you're a wife you have two practices you have the the different you have the clinics as well as your online business or you know the the um, helping practitioners how in the world how do you manage your time what tools do you have what do you do
0: <laughs> um I will say that the number one reason why we get so much done is one, I invested in the right business coaches and mentors to tell me what I needed to do. Mm. Two, I listened to what they said I needed to do and did it. So mm. in a nutshell, that's kind of how we started to build out these things. So um the very first place that I started with was just reprioritizing what it was that I actually needed to get done and putting up blinders for everything else. So the number one thing that I find prevents any any business owner from moving forward and growing is lack of taking action. So a lot of practitioners I find are very much into the data analytics, they have that thinking mind and they don't have an action taking mind. Number one because that's just not in their wheelhouse, they're not great action takers. It takes them a long time to like weigh the pros and cons and go. But then the second thing is is a lot of us stay in a very fearful mindset where we're afraid that if we shine a light on ourselves. If we take some sort of action that's new, um, some ramification is going to happen and therefore Mm. we just don't do it or we do it once we get great results and we never do it again. So there's also this inability to rinse and repeat. So for me, I I said, okay, I'm just going to simplify my business structure as much as I can. So I put my blinders up to a lot of social media platforms. I put my blinders up to blogging. I only want to do videos. Um, I put my social, like my blinders up to, you know, running a membership or all of the other courses that you can buy. And I said, this is the only streamlined model that we're going to be running. This is how it's going to go. And I just simplified it and rinsed and repeated. So that makes it, So extremely easy even again when things shut down all of the systems are in place because they are simple because it's not complicated because they don't break down very easily. So that is a huge thing that I had to do is just reassess. Okay, how do I want my business to actually run? Where are we going to be marketing? Where are we going to be sending emails from? What softwares do I need to put in place done? Whatever. So that was when it was just me Then, um, I very quickly needed to realize after I had my first child that I can't be doing reception as well Mm -hmm. because I was just getting too burnt out. I needed to be able to show up to the office, see patients and leave. And so that was when I finally hired my first, um, office manager. And I can't even imagine running a business without an office manager. And it is, it tends to be the first step people take in delegation is, um, hiring reception, But with that hire, I also let go of, oh, I need to hire for 40 hours and I have to keep the business open all week. Otherwise, we're going to lose money and blah, blah, blah. And I said, no, I'm only hiring this person for 10 to 15 hours per week. They're only coming in when I'm at my busiest um, point and then the rest of the time I can manage everything. So, um, you know, there's a lot of these boxes that we tend to put our decisions into and there's so much gray. So I just started to lean into the gray and, and hire these people to fulfill jobs in a way that I could afford it in a way that it was again, the most time efficient from there. I started to really resent showing up to work. I I don't love the one-on-one consultations. It isn't what drives me. It doesn't get me excited. What gets me excited is the marketing because I love the marketing, writing the emails, filling up the calendar, like is like the most fun game for me, but actually executing on the calendar is like the worst. So I had to, um, you know, learn how to show up now as a leader and actually hire salaried employees that I trained to do what I was doing in my office so I could step away from that. And um, that allowed me a tremendous amount of time freedom with regards to flexibility of location but I'm still working. Like I'm mm-hmm. still working very hard. I'm still working very long days. Like that hasn't changed. Um, but that's how everything is getting done. And then I also have two virtual assistants who um, are in the Philippines to do a lot of the clicky stuff. So they will schedule our, our posts or they'll do our video editing or um, they'll help with our elite implementer level members, which is our done for you service for practitioners to get their to-do list done. Um, we, I, I had to just figure out people that can do the things that I don't want to do so I can stay in that top level performance um, mm-hmm. as the CEO, which, uh, you know, all of that takes money. It takes an investment, but I am always coming from a place of I will buy my time freedom every day of the week as opposed to having more like dollars in my bank account. I'd rather spend it so that I feel centered and grounded and freed up from the anxiety, the chaos, the to-do list and hire people. And, and that again took like it, it, that didn't really change until two years ago. And I've been in practice for 10. So this is not, you know, a light bulb moment and you just become this person. It was a lot of growth. It was a lot of letting go of the fear, letting go of my ego coming from a very grounded state and also letting go of any negative beliefs I had around money. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. And so there's a couple of things there. Um, and you've talked about this before, but can you, can you kind of describe what that CEO mindset is? I mean, it sounds like a lot of it is letting go of that fear, but also learning how to delegate Mm -hmm. might be a big part of that, but yeah. Can you just kind of give, um, a little bit more insight on what that CEO mindset is. Sure.
0: So when you are performing as a practitioner, meaning you're doing the day-to-day work, you are, you are not performing as a business CEO. The business CEO is the person who is at the top of the pyramid, looking down and making sure that everything is running effectively. So in that, I didn't know how to be a leader. I didn't know how to be a CEO. I knew how to do it all on my own.
1: Hmm. And I know
0: how to run every single aspect of our business, but I was still performing as a practitioner and my, my calling, my wheelhouse is to be a leader. So the first thing I did was I reached out to... Um, a coach, a mentor that was, um, I think it was like $25,000 US, which in Canadian dollars is like hell a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyways, but I just knew I needed to be taught how to show up that way from someone who's done it. I don't ever learn something on my own by figuring it out. I will just hire or pay for someone's expertise to say, just tell me what I need to do. Tell me how I need to be. So what? you are essentially doing, this is my favorite analogy, is as the business CEO, it's kind of like a wolf pack. And if you ever watch how wolves travel, the um, weakest and the oldest dogs are at the front. Then the strongest and um, most, most use, youthful dogs are kind of in the middle of the pack. And then the, the leader is at the very back. And when I realized that the leader always watches the pack from behind, they're not in front, they're not doing all the things, they're not taking charge, they're not like doing something just because it needs to get done fast instead of delegating it to the rest of the tribe or the pack. Um, That really helped me settle into, okay, if you want to be that true leader, if you want to be that business CEO, you have to get really comfortable with being at the back of the pack, looking Mm -hmm. over – the whole, um, pack, like your whole tribe (laughs) Mm -hmm. and let them do the things, let them make the mistakes, let them carve their own way, let them forge the path. And again, a lot of that was just dropping ego and realizing, okay, I don't need to be doing all of these things. I can happily hire someone. And in a way it's very fulfilling to hire employees or independent contractors because now The financial exchange that I'm offering for them is not only rewarding me, but they're now having more financial security. Mm -hmm. And one of our team members was able to move out of her child, like her family home, and get her apartment because of the salary that I'm able to provide her. And when those life events happen, um, it's also very rewarding, but we don't think of it that way because money has this like negative, stressful feeling around it, but it's actually just such a beautiful currency that we can exchange for abundance in so many different ways.
1: hmm Um, well, I love all of that <laughs> because I do think, I mean, mindset is such a big piece, to this and, and you know we go into school wanting to be practitioners and we kind of forget that well part of what comes along with that for many of us is also going to be needing to have that CEO mindset especially if we're having our own practice so so I the mindset I just think is is a huge element to that um, and so I would love to kind of strip it all away if you were just graduating Mm -hmm. or starting from scratch, I know some practitioners are, they're kind of just wanting to start from scratch. Maybe they're leaving a practice that they were in. They're starting from scratch. Where would you begin? (laughs) You know what? I think
0: the number one place that I would begin with is the mindset of, I am gonna make this effing work. Like Mm -hmm. there is no plan B, this is my career path. I will do whatever it is that I need to do to make this work. But then I want you to give yourself a grace period of like two to three years to figure out what you are, what you do like, and figure out what you don't like and make some good investments and make some bad investments. And I think having that, like just giving you that freedom to make those good and quote unquote bad choices is going to serve you so much better in years four and beyond than if you try to do everything perfect and slowly and cautiously in those first couple of years, you're always going to be kind of making up for that missed opportunity and those missed experiences that you could have had, which means everything is going to be delayed now. So take those first couple couple of years to be a bit more of a risk taker, try all the things because then you'll be able to streamline what you're like, okay, I will never write for me. I will never write a blog post. I will never write for the newspaper or articles or anything. I hate writing. Like just don't ask me to do it. Mm -hmm. But I had to experience that to know this is now a non-negotiable for me and my business. What I, I um, went into was YouTube was just kind of like new when I graduated. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to start making YouTube videos. And I found out that I loved it and I love being on camera. And so that's really where I hone my skills. If it's a video, a podcast, you know, like a, a live, I'm all over it. Um, but I had to try it. I had to invest. I had to do, put in the time so take those first 3 years as purely just experimental to see number 1 what marketing strategies do you like what business business systems do you like and also give yourself that freedom to attract everybody you can into your office whether virtual or physical to also show you who you want to be attracting for the rest of your career and that will always change to a point but there will be that one personality type that One condition that you love, that gets you jazzed, that you just connect with, and that is something that also has to come with experimentation. So Mm -hmm. a lot of times I think people pigeonhole themselves based off of advice from people that have been in the practice or been in business for 5, 10, 15 years. And we can speak emphatically about our system because of the journey that we had to go through. No one can dictate what that journey is. And I don't think making any rash decisions being like, okay, I'm going to niche this particular person and I'm going to use these colors. And I'm only going to focus on this marketing scheme at the very beginning is going to serve you because it could be the wrong choice that you are forcing to be the right one. So let those first three years just be purely experimental and, um, just see what happens and always, always be tapped into a higher energy, whether that's a spiritual one, whether that's a religious one and be very, very open to the signs because I firmly believe that anytime I felt resistance or it's uncomfortable. I knew that that was the wrong choice and I didn't do it. Even when I didn't listen to that, it proved to be the wrong choice and I either wasted time or money on that. But anytime something was easy or just came to me, I just leaned into that as much as I could, no matter how scary it was, no matter what the investment was, no matter what the time commitment was, I just said okay. I'm just going to trust that this is the way I'm supposed to be going. And I find when people are so into their head. They're so anxious. They're coming from a place of fear and lack and you know um, what if this happens or whatever Mm -hmm. that they stop seeing the signs and they stop leaning into what the, the universe or your religious um, person is trying to guide you. And, and everyone is, is here to protect you. Like there's no one here that wants to see you fall on your face but there has to be some level of responsibility and awareness that you are also open to. Otherwise, you're not going to receive that protection.
1: Mm. All very important. <laughs> All very important. And and um, I mean the the experimenting. I think that's. I mean that's the stage that I'm in. I'm very much experimenting, trying to figure out what I think works, how I want to provide my care and all of those things. Um, but it's definitely a lot of growing pains, right? There's so much learning that happens and you know, you do make those investments or those time investments even in things that you think are going to be it. And it's just not. Um, so I'm, I'm really glad that that's kind of how, how you, are encouraging people to start out to figure out, cause that's kind of what we encourage our patients and clients mm-hmm. to do too, right? To figure out, well, what actually works for you? You have to trial and error. Um, yeah. So it only makes sense that that's, you know, that's how we would wanna approach business and practice too. Um, and so the other thing that I I wanted to make sure that we talk about is just, uh, we know that this year really, cause a lot of us to have to pivot really quickly. And so you talk about going virtual. Um, So I'm wondering if you want to just talk a little bit about the brick and mortar versus virtual and how to kind of integrate both of them. Should we be doing both of them? Mm -hmm. All of that stuff.
0: So my personal stance is that a brick and mortar location is essential. Um, There's many different ways that you can be having a brick and mortar. That could be a one a day rental space, That could be a space that you pay a monthly rent or a split for, but I do believe that more than ever, because everything stopped, because everything mandatorily went virtual, people are really craving touch. They're really craving that personal connection, and you can't get that through a screen. It serves a purpose, but I think having that physical space is very, very important. And as I said, it doesn't have to be something you're paying seven days a week for. You could pay one day a week, and that's your one day in-person booking day, and then the rest of the days you're all virtual. That's fine. Um, However, where I think a lot of practitioners struggled, especially during the shutdown, and it was probably different in Canada than it was where you were, but our entire – um, province and and probably nationwide shut down for a number of months, um, we had to go virtual. We had to just embrace it. And for a long time, we'd always thought about it. It was kind of one of those things that was Sure you could, but what would that look like? And then it came to a point where it was a non-negotiable that we had to start offering that service. And thank goodness we did because we were able to keep the business in the black the whole time. We didn't get into any debt, which was amazing. Um, But that also forced us to find better ways of getting supplements out to people. And there's some great services like virtual dispensaries that you can purchase. We still manage a physical dispensary at our locations, but we also use Fullscript, for instance, for our long distance or as an option where it just gets delivered to them. And we just started really leaning heavily into even um, virtual training. So doing webinars every single month to keep our our people engaged. We're now doing lives multiple times a week to offer our patients or our future patients um, more touch points with us. Like we're really trying to lean into the virtual space, but still understanding the power of having that physical location as well. Um, The other issue that I think a lot of practitioners got used to because it was never a problem is making their whole business structure dependent on in-office services. And that's a very scary place to be. So if you're doing a lot of IVs or physical work or um, pain management, so with acupuncture, cupping or something like that. And that is like 80% of where your revenue is coming from. That's very, very scary going into 2021. You need to find a way to at least get to that 50-50 place. And if that um, in-office goes away again, you have to find a way to build up at least 30% of that missed revenue online somehow. So this is where creating... Some sort of a protocol, a structured program, whether that's done with you virtually or completely passive is great. This is where offering, you know, promotions through uh, full script or your online store is essential. You could even start charging for your webinars, a uh, uh, you know, a small nominal fee just to find ways of making those dollars. If you're not open to doing that, then you have to reach out to practitioners who are doing it or other coaches who are doing it, who can support you. Because that's the other part of the conversation that we haven't yet had is some practitioners are born to be practitioners. Mm -hmm. That is their wheelhouse. That is where they excel. And those people need to understand that they aren't going to be business managers. They're not Mm -hmm. going to be business owners. That is not they're they're going to struggle with that because it is not something that they're good at. And for those practitioners who are destined to be practitioners, then you don't own a clinic space. Right. You just don't put yourself into that position because it will be costly in so many different ways. This is where hire, like being hired as an employee is a great, safe, sort of secure position, or um, being an independent contractor in a business that's already set up and running smoothly. And then there's people like me who I I am a practitioner, but I don't identify as a practitioner, identify as a business owner. And that's why I needed to find a way to manage a team to do the stuff I'm not good at, which means I'm also not serving people well and start to do more of the higher level business strategy stuff. So I think all the other lesson that was learned in 2020 is okay, what is it that needs to go? What is it that needs to stay? How do you need to restructure yourself, your time, all of those things? If financial security is something that's really important to you, owning a business is not a safe bet anymore. We don't know, like the rug could get pulled out from under us at any point in time. So either find a way to go completely online where the overhead is very low and the profit margins are higher, or align yourself as a different role, meaning maybe an employee on salary is better. So um, there's just so many different ways to put this puzzle together um, Mm -hmm. in so many different orders and steps or whatever. But the point is, is you cannot rely on solely in office services. And that's kind of point blank. And wherever you can cut some of your expenses, find ways to do that quickly.
1: Mm -hmm. And I'm so glad that you pointed out the fact that not everyone is meant to run a practice or run a business, because I do think that there's this should in our head that, you know, we should be doing this. We should be on our own. We should be whatever. Um, But that's not for everyone. And it's a, it's a lot of work. So, um, you know, if, if it gives you more happiness to be that practitioner and to not have to worry about, the every behind the scenes, cause there's a lot behind the scenes of building a practice and building a business, then, you know, accept that about yourself because that will be so much more, I just, I feel like you would be so much more at peace. Um, and like you said, not everyone needs to be doing that. And, I, and that's why we're thankful for people like you who are able to hire on other practitioners so that they can do what they're meant to do.
0: Yes, great. thank you. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and just to kind of wrap this up, um, first of all, where can people find you? Where can they find your podcast? Where can they find all of the, um, the great content that you have and the, all of the um, business courses that you have?
0: Sure, so the first place to go would be the MaximizeBusiness.ca website. There you can um, watch our free training that we have on how to merge your practice online. There's also some free resources right on the homepage as well as the opportunity to book a call with me. Um, and then on Instagram at AndreaMaximND. And I always love when people send me messages. So please do not feel that you can't drop me a message. Tell me that you are listening to this podcast and we can have a discussion. And then finally, the podcast is the Profitable Practice Podcast. Um, We do mostly videos. You can watch those videos on our website, but uh, I know for sure it's being hosted on iTunes. It's through Podbean, Stitcher, a lot of the major ones that people are using, but you can just Google search that too.
1: Wonderful. And we'll be sure to link those in the descriptions. And lastly, what keeps you inspired in business and practice and life? What keeps you inspired? This is, I finally set
0: up my life and I'm like tearing up as I'm saying this, but I finally set up my business and my life exactly the way I had always wanted. Um, And I did that like I did everything from the very beginning. I did not have anybody else's money. I wasn't married even like between my husband and I, I'm the breadwinner. Um, I made every single thing happen, um, in my business, in my life, all the impacts that I was able to make. And when I reflect on that, it just like, that is my identity is entrepreneur that is what th- drives me more than being a mom, more than being a wife, like entrepreneur, the entrepreneur identity, for lack of a better word, is just me. It, there's, I can't get away from it. Um, and to finally see all of the fear and um, whatever it took me to get here 10 years later to finally step into that role that I am now stepping into and hiring my last employee to take over all the clinics it i'm just so grateful um and because of that gratitude i am now just stepping into a place where i can give more abundance and receive more abundance and the dynamic of my marriage is changing because of how this all is so um that that just fuels me every day i just don't know how to turn it off you know it just is me in my blood
1: Uh, well i feel that too so Thank you for for sharing that but also I mean congratulations first of all you. because I you have put in so much work to get to where you're at and so you deserve it you deserve to have that life that you love and I'm I'm it's so inspiring to see practitioners like you who have you know, been able to forge the way for the rest of us so that we can also reach that point too in our our lives. And again, all of the opportunities that you provide for other practitioners to do what they're driven to do and um, all of the work that you do to help practitioners in their businesses and in their lives. Um, you're making a huge impact. So thank you again for all of the work that you do and for continuing to follow your passion because we can all feel that and we appreciate it. So thank you. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great speaking with you. Thank you for being here. And thank you all for watching, for listening. Be sure to like, share, subscribe to keep the inspiration going. As always, be well and stay inspired.